0: The Rita school of the quran oh no i'm sorry you I know the holy confused. quran given by the final prophet muhammad blessed be his name i think that taxi driver gave you uh, some wrong directions this is actually the master's college the master's college Yes, and this you, is a christian college you mean i mean yeah. oh no yeah i'm really sorry. i'm late yeah,
1: I'm how,
0: how am i ever get to my other meeting you know i have a thing all prepared to give and i would love to do it to these christians could i do it to them could they take a few minutes? Are you a man of authority around here? <laughs> On occasion, yes. Uh, well, I, just get I out of I the way. Feel about it. Are you alright? Go for it. The, thank you very much. May God bless you and give you many male children. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, what how exciting it is to be here. My name is Amit Akbulut, and I come from Izmir, Turkey. And you have such a privilege this morning that I have be able to share with you how you can know how you can go to paradise. You know in my country, young people come from places like this. And they pass out literature and things like that. And one of the ones they hand out is this, uh, it's uh, kind of a yellow color. And it says, the four, um, what do you call those things, the four, what, spiritualized. yes, the four spiritual Thank you very much, I'll pay you afterwards. Now in Islam, let me tell you, we go one better, we have the five pillars of Islam. And the first pillar of Islam is the creed. This is how you become a Muslim, you say the creed. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the prophet of God. Now, repeat after me and we will be able to enter into the gates of glorious paradise with me. Repeat after me. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the prophet of God. Well, I have heard in Christian circles, you wait till the end to give invitation, so I will wait at that time. Maybe you will be a little bit more interested. The first pillar is decreed. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the Prophet of God. The second pillar that you must practice in order to enter the gates of paradise is prayer. Now you Christians, I have seen you pray before. In restaurant, it looks like you have a headache or you've dropped a napkin on the floor or something like that. But we Muslims, let me tell you, we know how to honor God. Allah is great. So great, we must honor him even with our position when we pray. We pray five times a day. While your own prophet, Daniel, blessed be his name, prayed three times a day. You should pray a number of times during the day. Now when we pray, as soon as there is enough light in the morning to tell a black hair from a white hair, Allah! the call to prayer goes out. God is great! Come to prayer! Come to success! And so we go to prayer. Now when you Christians pray, you do not honor God as you ought to. Why Moses, the prophet Moses, blessed be his name, when he appeared before God in the burning bush, he took off his shoes. And your own priests in your own Old Testament, before they appeared before God in the temple, would wash themselves. So before we pray, we wash our feet, from our toes to our ankle bones. From our fingers to our elbows, three times we wash the insides of our ears, the insides of our noses and the insides of our mouths, three times, and our faces before we pray. And then we pray in a specific direction. You know when the prophet Solomon was blessing the temple, blessed be his name, he stood there and he said, when the foreigner from any land prays towards this place, hear O God from heaven, hear their prayer. So that all the world may know that there is a God in heaven. The Prophet Solomon, blessed be his name. We must pray in a specific direction. Now this is my first time to America. So I'm not exactly sure which direction to pray. We pray towards Mecca. That holy city where the Prophet Abraham, blessed be his name, was about to plunge the knife into his son and put him to death. But God stopped him and provided a sheep in its place. So on that place where the prophet Abraham, blessed be his name, was about to put his son to death, his son Ishmael, we worship that place. We not worship that place. We pray towards that place. The belly button of the universe is in Mecca. Now, when I flew here to Los Angeles, I came over the North Pole. So I think that is the the shortest way here from Mecca. But the sun, where does the sun come up around here? Which direction? This way. And I came from this Okay, maybe I'll just average it out and see what happens here. And we pray in a clean place also. So we carry a prayer carpet. So we don't pray in an unclean place. And we get down on our faces before Allah. Right down in front of Him. And when we say our prayers five times a day, we put our forehead on the ground some 27 times. It depends on which prayers you go through. And we say them in the language of Allah. Allah is Arabic for God. And so we use the very language of heaven when we pray. We pray in Arabic. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the prophet of God. Pillar number two is praying five times a day with clean hands and clean feet and clean face in a clean place in the language of heaven. Five times a day. Let me get my shoes on here one moment. We pray without shoes but we cannot preach without shoes. What's the first pillar? Decree, yes. Can you say decree? Oh, you don't want to? All right. Secondly, we pray five times a day. The third pillar of Islam is we give alms. We give alms to the poor. We give to spread the good news of the Prophet Muhammad, blessed be his name, around this world. Now, you Christians, I have heard that you give money for these kind of purposes too. It's called a... Uh, teeth. You give a teeth of all of your income. Is that not right? What? Am I saying it wrong? The th, it sounds like a th. It's very difficult to say for me. But the teeth, 10% of all of your income. Now we Muslims, we think, you Christians, what if you have a bad year and have no income? The great Allah does not get anything in return. So we do it a little differently we give one-fortieth of all that we own to feed the poor and to spread the good news of the Prophet Muhammad, blessed be his name. So every year, myself and my three wives, we sit down and decide how much we are worth and we give one-fortieth for the spread of the good news of the Prophet Muhammad. There is no God but Allah, Muhammad is the Prophet of God. We pray five times a day in a clean place with clean hands in Arabic, in a specific direction to the holy city of Mecca, and we give one-fortieth of all we own to feed the poor and to spread the glorious good news. The fourth pillar of Islam is the fast. Right now, the fast is going on. And the good Muslim who wants to enter the gates of paradise will fast from sunup, Allah Akbar, from sunup to when the sun goes down. He will not drink anything, he will not eat anything. He will abstain from sexual relations during this time period. We will not even smoke cigarettes during these daylight hours. This is the greatest unifying sacrifice of all of the Muslim world. For 30 days each year, we celebrate the giving of the Holy Quran. In the year 610, the Prophet Muhammad, blessed be his name, when he had become enriched by the the rich widow he had married. He was able to spend his time in contemplation and he would retreat to a cave outside of Mecca and there the angel Gabriel appeared to him and began to give him the revelation of the holy Quran. He recited it to Muhammad, blessed be his name. And the name, the word Quran means recite. The angel Gabriel started the revelation in that year and was passed down to Muhammad, blessed be his name's followers. Now, in the month of Ramadan we spend our time losing our temper and reading the Holy Quran very carefully memorizing it. There are many in our world who have memorized the whole Quran which is about the size of your Injil, the New Testament. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the prophet of God. We pray five times a day. We give one fortieth of all that we own to feed the poor and spread the good news of Islam. And we fast for 30 days every year, one lunar month. The fifth and final pillar of Islam is the pilgrimage. We each one of us who has necessary health and wealth and ability to go to Mecca once in their lifetime goes to the holy city of Mecca and replicates or repeats for you college students, replicates the steps of the prophet Muhammad, blessed be his name, in the city of Mecca. They will stand on the Mount of Standing where he preached the sermon. They will throw rocks at the pillar of Satan. They will drink water from the Zamzam well, which Allah opened up through the pair of Hagar when she was cast out into the desert by the Prophet Abraham, blessed be his name. The five pillars of Islam. Very simple, very straightforward. You Christians have cluttered up your religion with all kinds of extra and excess things. But keeping the five pillars will give one entrance into paradise. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the prophet of God. We pray five times a day. We give one fortieth of all that we own. We fast for one month every year and we go on the pilgrimage or the Hajj to Mecca. Very simple, very key, very straightforward. The Muslim religion, let me tell you some other things about it. It is a religion of brotherhood and love. People from around the world, Every color of the rainbow converge on Mecca every year. You think that the Super Bowl is the largest logistical event in the world. But it is not. More than a million people converge on Mecca every single year to dress in the white robes and replicate the steps of the Prophet Muhammad. I will also tell you that many very famous and intelligent people have chosen the way of Islam. One's from the Western world. This is not just an Eastern religion. You there... You look like a very intelligent young man. Who was the first person to walk upon the moon? You know that globe up there that floats in the sky. Who was it? Do you know? Neil Armstrong. Applaud this man, please. Most people under pressure cannot come up with this very famous name, Neil Armstrong. Is there any person here today who has never heard of Neil Armstrong? Raise your hand if you have never heard of Neil Armstrong. Mr. Tatlock will give you special history lessons if you don't know who he is. Neil Armstrong, anybody can be an astronaut, right? No. Not everyone can be an astronaut. You are chosen for your physical physique, for your intelligence. Famous astrophysicist, Neil Armstrong. While he was walking on the moon, he stepped out of the lunar landing module. And he's stepping on the dust on the moon. And over his headset, he heard, Akbar, and because he heard the Muslim call to prayer, he today has become a Muslim. I need another intelligent person, a woman this time. You look like an intelligent person. You will never sit in the front again, will you? <laughs> who was the person who invented, you know the, um, that you put that tank on your back, and you give them the water and you swim around breathing through it? Who invented this? Do you know who invented this? I will give you a hint. Who? I hear it being whispered, he is French. Jacques Cousteau, Jacques Cousteau, who here has never heard of Jacques Cousteau? The famous underwater scientist. He goes around the world in a ship Calypso, except about three weeks ago his ship sunk. But in this white ship Calypso, abounding over the waves around the world, exploring wonderful and famous things. Everyone here has seen National Geographic Specials with Jacques Cousteau in them, haven't you? Now. Jacques Cousteau, in his explorations, went to a place in the Red Sea. And in the Red Sea, there is a place in the Holy Quran, where the fresh water and the salt water do not mix. And when Jacques Cousteau found that place in the Red Sea, he became a Muslim. Why do you hesitate from becoming a Muslim? Many people have placed their faith in the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad, blessed be his name. Malcolm X, another very famous individual. He was a... Prophet and a preacher in the nation of Islam. A heretic form of Islam that preaches that the white man is the devil. This is not true. Malcolm X went on the Hajj, the pilgrimage to Mecca. And there, with this fellowship of blacks and whites and yellows and browns from around the world, he saw that there is true brotherhood and the white man is not the devil. And he placed his faith in the teachings of orthodox Islam and the prophet Muhammad. And I can tell you one other thing. That Allah, under our sands in the Middle East, has placed billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of petroleum. So that every time you fill up your gas tank, you are fueling the evangelistic efforts of Muslims around the world. And Allah has given this to us, to spread this good news to you and around the world. And I would challenge you today, I need a response from you. Who can give me one reason this morning, just one reason in the light of all that I have shared with you this morning, who can give me one reason why you cannot become a Muslim today? Who can give me one reason? Even one. And I will convert to Christianity. Who can give me a reason? Excuse me? Is this a woman speaking publicly? I am getting a little old. Could you stand up? I need to hear you. You said something about Esau, the prophet Esau. Excuse me? Oh, we believe in Jesus Christ. It is recorded 93 times in the Holy Quran. Jesus Christ is in our book. We believe in your prophet. Why don't you follow our prophet? Did you know that he was born of a virgin? I bet you your book does not say this. It does not Your book has been changed. I want you to hear some real reasons. Jesus. We believe in Jesus the prophet Jesus. Blessed be His name. You dishonor Him by not giving things to Him. Who can give me a reason? Why? Yes, ma'am. Oh, blasphemy! Jesus Christ is God? You mean daddy God getting together with mommy God? And having baby God? This is terrible. I knew you Christians believed this. And now I've heard it confirmed from a Christian themselves. Are there any men in here who can speak out for your religion? You, please stand up. You are a real man. Yes. Hair. Hair on the face is a sign of being a real man. I bet you you like Turkish coffee, don't you? Yes. The Prophet Muhammad. The his six ten. Yes. Six ten, You prophetic message the year of the Lord This is a very good point, yes. We are speaking in English now, the universal business language. If I were to speak to you in Arabic, you would not understand me or Turkish. But when you go into other culture. You must adapt some things from the culture in order to understand and communicate. And so we go by your dating system. Actually, by the year of the Prophet Muhammad dating back to far ancient events, it's more like the year 2000 and something, according to our dating records. So, we don't date in the Middle East, but I mean, you know what I mean. Yes. Yes, another real man, please. Did Muhammad do any miracles? Of course, he produced the miracle of the Holy Quran. Did you know that the Prophet Muhammad, blessed be his name, was an illiterate man? And for an illiterate man, one who cannot read, I mean, one who cannot read, to produce a book is a sure miracle. What do you think of that? Of course not. The Prophet Jesus did many miracles. Did you know that what? I can tell you some miracles, you probably do not even know, why he was a little boy. In fact, someone was saying that his mother was not a virgin and he spoke right from the cradle right from the cradle and said, She is too a virgin. (laughs) And, while he was a little boy, he made birds out of mud and he blew on them and they flew away. Jesus did many miracles, even ones that you are unaware of. Blessed be his name. Yes sir. Yes. I'm sorry, I would have interrupted you, but it is not our nature to interrupt the person you are discussing with. Now, we do hold him to be a prophet. But I would correct your thinking. He did not say that he was God. You are in error in him saying that he was God. Because your book has been changed. When? in It was in my country. In the council of... In my country, the city is Iznik. I think the you call it Chalcedon or something like this. All the priests of the Christian religion got together. And they said, We must decide which parts of this book we are going to keep and which we are going to throw out. And they standardized it. And they kept parts that were erroneous. And this is why you are in deception today, thinking that Jesus was the Son of God. You're building up a mere man and making Him God. Allah spoke through the angel Gabriel, recited to us the last and final revelation, superseding all others. Yes, sir. Yes, we believe in the Torah given by the Prophet Moses, blessed be his name. We take off our shoes like the Prophet Moses. Our animal sacrifice, you have not been studying Muslims very well, I'm very sorry. Because at the end of the Ramadan, month of fasting, we have the sugar holiday, we celebrate. Then 15 days later, we have what is called the kurban. I think you have read in your Injil a word like this, kurban or kurban. This is an Arabic word and it means sacrifice. And every year during the sacrifice, the kurban holiday, we sacrifice a sheep commemorating... That near sacrifice of Abraham's son Ishmael in Mecca, we reenact that every year to show the spilling of blood in sacrifice there. Sin. You mean the mistakes that we make in life. Sin. What is sin? Sin is doing wrong things, disobeying God. Yes. The holy law of God. There is sin. But we can pay for these things. When we die, by doing the five pillars of Islam, when we die, the death angel holds the scale. And all of the good things that we've done, all the times we've said the prayers, all the times we've done the fast, the times we've gone to the pilgrimage are put on one side, and all our bad things are put on the other side. And if the good outweighs the bad, into paradise we go. Wouldn't you like to go to paradise, sir? Sir, in paradise, there are these beautiful soft couches. And the men lay on these soft couches with these beautiful virgin girls, fanning them and dropping grapes in their mouth. Isn't this the kind of paradise that you want to go to? Two sons. He had the one son, Ishmael. See there again, this is fine, the the Torah. Your book has been changed. This is the last and final revelation. You do not need to study your scriptures because they are in error. We have the last and final revelation that gives us all. How do you know that my book hasn't been changed? Because it is the last and final revelation. Have you read the Holy Quran for yourself? You have read the Holy Quran for yourself. Then why have you not fallen down in worship to the commands of the eternal, uncreated Word of Allah? Now I have read your book, and it has been changed. You want me to show you how your book has been changed? What is what is the most important verse in all of the New Testament? The whole Bible. What is the most important verse? I yes, that it's those numbers they hold up in the end zone. Yes, John 3:16. You, there, you have a Bible, don't you? You have a Bible. And you have a Bible. <laughs> You've been standing over here a while. You have a Bible? Let, let me see your Bible. What Bible is this? It's a holy Bible. Does anyone have the New International? You have a New International, yes. It's find John 3.16. And you have John 3.16 here. Could you read this for us please? Well, I can read it for you if you don't want to stand in front of everyone. If you could find John 3.16. You say that your book has not been changed. Your book has been changed. This is most important verse in all of the Bible. It contains all that you need to know basically to be a Christian. John 3.16. The Bible, the whole Bible, the parts that disagree with the last and final revelation of the prophet have been changed. Please be patient with me. Yes. But even those I have looked at your Greek text and their little notes at the bottom, in most places it says this. In these places it says that. Your book has been changed. Read this. John 3.16. Okay. Thank you very much. And you, sir. John 3.16. Very good. Very good. You are very good readers. You could do very well in our Quranic school. Now, did you hear that? This one says, One and only son. This one says, Only begotten son. There, the most important verse in the whole Bible and they are different. You you go to master's college? You go to master's college? Here you are, students, same school, studying same book, but it is different. But you go around the world in every single Quran, in every single place, is exactly the same. Yes, sir. You're taking a different kind of tact. This is what Josh McDowell did when he debated Ahmed Didat. Yes, go ahead with what you Christians call testimony. Do you have tea? Oh, yes, I will come. That would be wonderful. I would love being taken in off the street. Not taken in, but off the street. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. We will talk after this. Yes, sir. Pantheistic God. Oh, this is true. He is the creator God. Well,. You know, know, in one of our countries, there are um, uh, Christians and they use, they call, when they pray, they pray to Allah, just like we do. They use the same word in everything. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I think your Greek word, theos, from which you get theology, is also a Greek word, meaning taking from Greek pantheon of gods. I cannot follow the logic of this very well. This is right.
1: I'm sorry, I interrupted you.
0: You know, I think it would really help if we sat down together and looked through the Holy Quran. This would be very enlightening to you. In order. What do you mean, order? We read it from the shortest surah to the longest surah. This is the tradition. Now, let me ask this. What about your book? Is it in chronological order, Alibi? Oh. Boy. Alright. This is why we have the Lebanon and the Balkan crises. Anyway, I think I will shave
1: momentarily here. I'm going out of character. I'm not the Muslim anymore. Sorry, you had your chance. Okay. I need to move this pulpit forward. Could someone be of assistance to me? Run up here quickly. Yes. 18 of you. Let's move it out there, because I have to have my notes on here. Mark, what time is this over? 25 after. Okay, let me, let me correct a couple of things first, and then, um, first of all, well, let me correct some things and then I have a little announcement, and then we are going to look at the true Word of God. Um, first of all, Neil Armstrong never became a Muslim, okay? Neil Armstrong, this is, this is a story that circulates throughout much of the Muslim world, and it was because of the time gap, it takes like seven, eight seconds for a radio signal to get to the moon. And there's this static in there, and one of the there was a Muslim actually in Mission Control, from what I understand, and he heard this gap, and he said it sounded like the call to prayer, and this this uh, story got passed on from that. In fact, our field leader in Turkey actually wrote to Neil Armstrong and got a uh, le- letter back from Neil Armstrong that said, "No, I have not become a Muslim." He took it to an official government translator, translated, it, and he carries around his pocket. So when he hears this story, Neil Armstrong became a Muslim. Why not you? He pulls it out and says, "That's why, because he never did." <laughs> Okay, uh, our other friend, who's the other guy, the French guy, uh, Jacques Cousteau, he has not become a Muslim, he's an agnostic as far as we know. Uh, Malcolm X, yes, did become an Orthodox Muslim. Any other errors that I mentioned? Um, David Shad is uh, with me this week, he's one of our missionaries from Kenya, has worked with Muslims for since, um, nearly before I was born, no, uh, since 1976, 20 years. Anything else I should correct there that I said, David? Okay, nothing that important. Oh, yes, the Bible has not been changed, by the way. Uh, (laughs) There are places that the Muslim, where he says, uh, Jesus says, that it's important that I go away, because if I go away, then I'll send another to you, the spirit of truth. The Muslims take that to mean Muhammad. And they'll actually tell you that Muhammad is prophesied in the New Testament. So there's a lot of different things in there. Uh, I'm trivia quiz here. You've all been walking around campus today, right? How many Muslims are there in the world today? One out of five. 20% of the world is a Muslim. Anyway, it's very easy to get to speak in chapel here, by the way. You just have to have some shelly beans. Did you know that? You're wondering what the connection is? Um, Your dean here, Mark Tatlock, grew up back east where that's the only place that you can get these things. And I said, uh, I'll bring you some. If uh, you let me speak in chapel. So, here you are, Mark. If you want to get a Christmas present, get Mark some Shelly beans from Stokely. <laughs> Thanks. I have other comments on that, but I won't say anything. Okay. Let's talk about some reasons why Muslims have not been reached today. Open your Bible, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's been nearly 2,000 years since Jesus Christ gave us the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is a key verse that defines the Trinity. It's a three-part name of God. It's not laying out three different gods there. It's a three-part name of God. It's a unit by itself, giving the three-part name of God, the three in one. And the initiation right into Christianity, baptism, baptism, demonstrates the difference between our God and the gods of the world. It's one God in three persons. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. That's about four different translations put together because of my use of different translations. But, accurate nonetheless. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, starting at verse 8. In 2 Timothy, this is the last recorded message we have from... The greatest missionary of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. The sent one, the Apostle Paul. He's soon to die, and he wants to give us instruction about what's important. And Timothy here is approximately 40 to 45 years of age, a little bit older than me. I'm quite young yet. And he says to Timothy, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul says to us today, in the light of the one of five in this world, the 20% of the world, join with me in suffering the gospel I believe that fear fear of the unknown fear of raising support fear of many different things keeps people from taking steps of faith and reaching out to people who possibly could be very hostile to the message that we bear join with me in suffering for the gospel the kingdom cannot be expanded from our comfort zone the kingdom cannot be expanded from our comfort zone Our faith cannot be demonstrated with the press of a remote. It takes our lives and even our blood to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ. Two comments here. Number one, Paul did not go looking for trouble. Remember, he went over the wall in a basket at one time. And also, Paul was not an ascetic. In other words, his style of life was not one to live for suffering, but... When he had opportunity, he enjoyed the comforts of life. For we read in chapter 4 of this same book, and he's in prison there, he says to Timothy, bring my cloak. So Paul was not out to suffer as an ascetic. But he encourages us and tells us that obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ is going to bring suffering in your life. Just last Sunday, the the pastor of the church I go to in Reading, Pennsylvania, preached on Jesus walking on the water. And it's interesting, one thing that he pointed out, was that those men got in the boat to go across the Sea of Galilee at Jesus' command, and they ran into a storm. They ran into a storm at Jesus' command. It is within the will of God at times that we have troubles, that we have problems, that we suffer for our faith. Join with me in suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his gospel. Paul says it in 2nd Timothy 3:12, turn over one page. So the apostle, the apostle to the Gentiles, 3:12 he says, indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul says it. In 1st Peter chapter 2. 1st Peter chapter 2, Peter is the apostle to the Jews. Apostle to the Gentiles, the Apostle to the Jews. What does Peter say? 1 Peter 2, verses 20 and 21. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor for God. For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. And then in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself in John chapter 15. Turn there if you would. So we have the apostle to the Gentiles. We have the apostle to the Jews. And we have our Lord himself. Says in verse 20, Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. It's a conditional clause right here. If they persecuted me. If they kept my word. But what happened after Jesus said this? They did persecute him. They put him to death on a cross. And so this conditional promise here is changed into a direct promise to us. It's not conditional anymore. They persecuted me. They will persecute you. But the second half of the verse is a side of hope. They kept my word. 120 people were in that upper room on the day of Pentecost. Some kept Jesus' word, and therefore they will keep our word also. We have the promise of persecution. We also have the promise of fruit. The kingdom cannot be advanced from our comfort zone. And as Paul said, join with me in suffering for the gospel. Robert McQuilkin, Robertson McQuilkin, I should say, the president emeritus of Columbia Bible College, or it's now called Columbia International University, said, "One who does not acknowledge the absolute lordship of Christ in every choice of life cannot hear any call from God. If Jesus Christ alone is absolute Lord of my life, He alone has the right to make. He alone has the right to make the greatest of all choices for me. How will I invest my life?" Until such an unconditional commitment to the will of God has been made, a person who tries to do God's will is only deceiving himself. Each one of us needs to come to the knowledge of who God is in such a way that we are willing to do whatever God asks us to do before he asks us to do it. The key to finding out the will of God or leading or guidance in life is a willingness to do his will before he reveals it to us. What that does is it demonstrates the faith that Mark read about in Hebrews chapter 11. Faith in that which is not seen. Faith clinging to the very promises of God. And Jesus said, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things that the nations worry about will be added unto you. I read a prayer letter from one of our missionaries just last Sunday morning in Albania. He's been out there for a couple of years now. He said, I used to think that the things I would miss most if I went to the mission field would be my family, McDonald's, Saturday nights and popcorn. I found that what I miss most is the convenience of not being bothered by the needs around me. Here I can't step out of my bed without seeing the ravaging effects of a godless regime. When I step outside, it's all there, the poverty, the emptiness, the hopelessness of man. But it's this thing that I miss the most that keeps me here. It's all so real. I think, on the other hand, what keeps many Christians in America lavishing in their comfortableness is their inability to tangibly feel what is going on outside their comfort zone. It's so much easier to write a check. We think of every possible excuse to stay at home, but the Great Commission was never an option, it was a commandment. I've had the opportunity to see the world from the eyes of a missionary and to feel the weight of overwhelming spiritual needs and wonder, where are the laborers? A letter that's been a very encouragement to me was written by a beautiful girl who just graduated from UCLA. When I saw the picture of her that was attached to it, she looks like a UCLA cheerleader. But this is what she writes. Since I became a Christian, he has been changing the desire of my heart drastically. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And my treasure changed from being worldly things to being things of eternal value. Previously, I thought my life would be perfect once I graduated from UCLA, got a powerful, high-paying job, and drove my red Mercedes 500 SL convertible. But as I grew closer to Jesus, his desires became my desires. And I feel called to go because I have been blessed to be a blessing to others. My heart's desire is to go and work among unreached Muslims and tell them about Jesus. And so, instead of my Mercedes, I may be going to work on a camel instead. But I can't imagine anything more exciting or fulfilling than telling others about Jesus, especially those who've never heard. I want to finish with another quote. This man's wife is one of my prayer partners. She prays for us faithfully. But her first husband is with the Lord now, and here's his story. They were missionaries in Turkey, a country of 60 million people with approximately just over 1,000 believers there now. At the time that he died, there were probably about 20, maybe 25 believers in the whole country, and they were so burdened that they were going to forsake their American citizenship and become Turkish citizens. Friday evening, June 1st, David and Jenny spent in a half-night of prayer with other believers, praying over the needs of a lost world, and for peace in Turkey and for their own dear Turkish friends whom they loved so greatly, and for for whom they had given up so much to reach with the gospel of life. They sang together David's request, Father, I adore you, lay my life before you. Despite the late night, Dave was already up reading his Bible at 7.30 the next morning, June 2nd, when the doorbell rang. As usual, he called out, Kimmo, who's there? As he and Jenny would always do before opening the door. But for some reason, Dave opened the door anyway this time. He was immediately shot, twice in the head and twice in the back, by two terrorists who ran off without a word. Within minutes, the house was full of neighbors and police as Dave was rushed to the hospital. But by the time the ambulance reached it, he had already gone to be with the Lord. As David was felled by terrorist bullets, a card fell from his back pocket onto the stairs. Later it was brought to Jenny by the neighbors, wondering what it was. On the card was a verse that Dave had been memorizing that week. But as for you, be strong. You do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Second Chronicles 15.7 Join with me in suffering for the gospel. Let's pray. Father, Lord, our hearts are humbled by the men and the women who have gone before us. Father, martyrdom is a true scriptural principle, and suffering is part of obedience to you. Lord, you said at one point that you came to bring a sword to divide father from son and mother from daughter. Father, our uniform is love. We have nothing but love and kindness and sacrifice in our hands to extend to the world. Yet because they persecuted you, they will also persecute us. Father, I pray that you'd help us to know you better, that each one of us would be willing to do whatever you ask us to do before you ask it, but because we know you to be a God of love, a God of wisdom, and you'll never ask us to do something more difficult than we can bear that you won't give us the strength to bear up under. Father, I pray for the students of the Master's College. God, I know that you don't want every student to be a missionary. But God, in, the, in light of the fact that 40% of this world live in cultural groups where the church has never been established, God, I know that you want a good number of us in this very room to go forth. Lord, you want a church in every people and you have a part for every person in this room to play. And Father, I pray that you would make it clear and that we would be obedient to your call. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ who loved us and gave his life for us. Amen. I want to make one announcement before you... um, Before you leave, tonight at 4.30, right up here in BG1, we're going to have free pizza for anyone who wants to come and learn about principles of how to reach out to Muslims.